Hey, Susan. Hi, Sadi. What's going on? Oh, lots of stuff. Is it time for us to podcast again? Yes, it's time for us to cope. Oh, <laughs> let's cope. Let's cope. Perfect for our session today yes. on psych. We're yes. coping. Yes, we're coping. All right. What's your disclaimer? Oh, yes. So the views and opinions of Saji Pillay and myself, Suzanne Witten, are our own views and opinions and in no way reflect the views and opinions of the TCU and UNT Health Science Center School of Medicine. Oh, and we have a guest and our disclaimer covers our guests, too. So, hi, Brian. Hi, hey, y'all. So good to be here. Thank you all so much for having me on. Yeah. So Brian is our psychiatry clerkship director, and he just had a very busy week um, doing some amazing things. Brian, you tell it better. Tell it. Yes. So uh, last week we did our mental health module, our behavioral health module, where we uh, introduced the students to some basic concepts in uh, mental health assessment. Uh, diagnosis and treatment. Um, our main goal, especially with these being first year medical students, is to let them know that there are diagnostic clus- clusters out there with symptoms that they should know. Uh, and then I'm really pleased to work with both of y'all because we get to talk about the mental status exam. Woo-hoo! Okay, so stay tuned because we're going to give some tips on how to prepare for your student and the focus of the session will be the psychiatric and mental status exam. Um, But first, we just wanted to touch a little bit on um, uh, some professionalism. Professionalism? Professionalism. Professionalism? (laughs) What does that mean? Who are you talking about, Susan? I'm talking about everybody. So definitely, we get it. Life is busy. We're about 20% into this course. We are so dependent on your kindness and time, and we're so thankful for this. But we just want to say, ooh, holidays are coming up. Holidays are coming up. Life gets busy. I have a cold right now, so excuse my coughing and sniffles. But if you find that you're going to have a planned absence, say a vacation for a couple weeks, or taking your boards, or just sick, you need to let me know. Let me know. Let Kayla know right away. Why is that important? Oh my goodness! Because I mean, I mean the student's going to come anyway <laughs> two weeks later. Well, why why should I do that? I, I mean, know. How does that impact the student in any way? Oh goodness! Well, you know, again, we are really trying to tightly coordinate what they are learning in clinical skills, and then how they can apply these skills um, when they see uh, patients with you. Mm-hmm. And so, if they get too far off track, off kilter, then it it, it really uh, disrupts that inter integrated learning experience so we're really trying to preserve that yeah we get a lot of feedback from the students when they come to clinical skills so they feel prepared after they've seen a patient but if they miss that one encounter it really sets them back totally so they are digging those times with you please keep um, helping them have some active participation some active learning uh, the focus of this session will be, you know, focusing on um, behavioral health issues like depression and anxiety. So please continue giving them opportunities to apply the stuff that they've learned in clinical skills with your patients. And we get great feedback that you guys are rock stars, so keep doing what you're doing. Yes, so totally. I know um, sometimes you'll just give the student a heads up like, oh yeah, hey, I gotta take my boards or something. But please, also, um, it's really your uh, responsibility, your primary responsibility to inform us or or if you wanna defer or um, delegate this task to your office manager, 
please, I cannot, I cannot emphasize how important it is for you to tell us if you are not going to be there. If the student doesn't show up, you know, that's their bad um, and you were planning for them to be there. But if you don't show up and we all thought you were going to be, that's your bad. And, and so we want to try to have some ample time to coordinate and help the student have a good experience. And let us know if your student's running late consistently, yeah. your student is not showing up. Uh, we need to know that so that definitely Susan will be able to yeah. talk to that student and see what's going on with them. It might be something outside of really just showing up late because they slept. Totally. Right. So thank you so much. Um, again, we cannot express our gratitude enough for your um, generous um, uh, time uh, and um, all of your wisdom that you're sharing with these students. So um, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, so uh, these are the objectives for students for this session. I believe this is session number five. So um, here's objective number one that you'll see in Skills of Al. Saji. Demonstrate the ability to perform and present mental status exam. Skill number two, Brian. Discuss review systems for behavioral or mental status concerns. And then number three, document the mental status exam and <clears throat> results of psychiatric screening in a clinical note per site protocol. So um, cool thing, I was um, filling in for a preceptor and a student actually documented in Epic and it was so neato. Was and it Epic? It was Epic. It was Epic. It was Epic. Oh, I get it now. Um, and uh, so just know if you have a student in the JPS system, they make a note and don't worry, that note just disappears once it's processed for billing. But it was very cool. They pulled up a template on their own and they did some really cool documentation. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Yes. Okay. So now moving on, here are some things that we think you can do to help your student achieve those um, objectives. Number one, Saji. Discuss your approach to mental status exams and psychiatric <laughs> screening at your practice and expose students to your psychiatric screening tools like PHQ-9 and GAD-7. Um, number two. Hear and assess at least one oral presentation of the patient's story and mental status exam. And then finally, number three, review and assess student documentation of the patient's story and mental status exam for at least one patient in a clinical note per site protocol. So again, documentation, it's not going away. Um, and please, if the student writes a note, um, again, it would be a big bummer if they did all this work and nobody looked at it. So please review and give feedback. Alrighty, so now, we want to take advantage of our expert here in the room. So, Brian. Me? Yes. Expert? Yes. So, Brian, if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, um, so my name is Brian Dixon. I'm a psychiatrist here in Fort Worth in private practice. Um, so, I do that uh, part-time. I'm a child psychiatrist, so I get to work with lots of kiddos. Um, my youngest is three. My oldest is 73, 74. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it's a great time. And uh, mental status examinations are universal. Uh, as my uh, primary care uh, colleagues can totally attest because y'all are awesome and thank y'all so much for the work that y'all do. Uh, it is my absolute uh, honor and pleasure uh, to be here today to kind of briefly run through some of the, um, the overarching uh, topics or areas of the mental status exam that we want the medical students to uh, make sure to address as part of their presentation with their preceptor. 
Yeah. So what what um, what are some things that you think the preceptors could focus on? What are the things that you think um, those pearls right at the point of care that they could do with the student? Yeah. So um, Susan, you are wonderful, and I'm glad you're getting to share the psych card that we uh, put together. Uh, that was actually something that was cold from uh, some of the um, specialty specific. Uh, books that I used during residency. Uh, and so the card is over comprehensive. And so we are encouraging the students and the preceptors to mainly focus on five areas. So the first grouping is general appearance and behavior. So what they look like, what they smell like, are they making uh, great eye contact? Um, how uh, cooperative are they being? Um, the second area is affect and mood. So affect being um, the physical uh, objective characteristics of what they look like and mood being um, just asking them, hey, what's your mood? And we, we got to prep the students on that last week during clinical skills. The third area, thought process and thought content. So thought process is basically um, uh, how you're thinking, meaning is it logical and goal-directed, meaning you get to the point. Uh, whereas thought content is what are you thinking? Um, uh, thoughts about suicide, homicide, um, thoughts about um, having any type of delusions or hallucinations. Uh, the fourth area is cognition and memory, um, and it's a gross uh, assessment, meaning do they know where they are? Are they alert and oriented times three? Do they know um, uh, um, uh, basically what's going on? Uh, and then, uh, and you do not have to do a mini mental status exam, what? formerly known as a Folstein. Uh, you don't have to do that just yet. We'll get to that in phase two. All right. Okay. Uh, and then the last area is insight and judgment. So insight meaning, um, do they understand um, what's going on? And then judgment, uh, uh, making uh, sound decisions about uh, about um, the situation at hand. So yeah, if, if we, all the students, uh, we're able to show some proficiency, and now it's time to practice those things. So yes, let them practice. So uh, I think, Brian, you mentioned one question that they cannot miss. What was that? Yeah, so the one question they cannot miss, and we threatened them with uh, failing, uh, yes, uh, failing the class, which is uh, you have to always ask about uh, suicidal thoughts and suicidal behaviors because the research shows that asking about it does not increase the likelihood of someone doing that. So it yes. is... It is super important that every student ask, are you having any thoughts of hurting yourself or anybody else? And then luckily on the site card itself, we have the uh, National Suicide Hotline number. So uh, hopefully by the end of medical school, they will have that burned into their brains as a resource for everybody. Nice. And so um, uh, for the audience, what Brian is uh, referring to, so on the accompanying email for this podcast, uh, so the optional resources to prepare, there will be an attachment called PsychCard. Um, there will also be the clinical skills um, checklist for the behavioral health, the mental status exam. And then also there will be a PowerPoint that the students viewed as pre-work in preparation for um, this past week where they focused on behavioral health. Yeah, it's a great PowerPoint. Dr. Atkinson is the one uh, who did it, and uh, it really goes through uh, psych in a very simple way. Cool. All right. Anything else you want your um, our preceptors to know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. just keep doing what you're doing uh, in a distributed model where everybody is everywhere. Uh, we want to let y'all know that we appreciate you. And our goal as um, clerkship directors is to make your jobs easier. So uh, do not suffer in silence. Right. So yeah. if you're uh, yes. ticked off or concerned, <laughs> let us know. Do you, do you suffer in silence? Uh. <laughs> 
I don't know if it's going to be silent anymore if I say it out loud. <laughs> well, you just know you have you have friends. Oh, I have friends. Yes, yes. So that's part of the cope, right? Community yes. of physician educators. Yeah. That's full circle. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all for each other. Yeah. 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 Hey, I'm going to brag on Brian a little bit. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yes. So, um, nice. not only is he a clerkship director, <laughs> a you know, practicing entrepreneur, psychiatrist, he's also an author. Can oh, you tell, tell us about oh, that book goodness. that you've written? Oh, yeah. So, hey. yeah. yeah. So, the book that I've written is super controversial. Uh, and I would, yeah, like super Perfect controversial. <laughs> so, I would love to hear feedback on it. Um, and if you want a free copy, you just let me know because uh, it, it's super, super cheap. So, yeah, awesome. Great. <laughs> I will bring you a copy, Susan. Um, essentially, what I argue in the book is that in America, we do not have a healthcare delivery issue because I firmly believe that if you get the right patient, in front of the right physician they're going to be taken care of because our doctors are awesome uh, I know we're under a lot of stress but we uh, we still mean well and we want to take care of patients so I don't think we have a healthcare delivery issue I think we have a healthcare finance issue meaning um, yes uh, no uh, I'll come I'll okay. say that in just a second okay. um, so the uh, we have a healthcare finance issue where uh, people need the money to just buy their care and I'm a big believer in direct pay meaning you don't go through any insurances so that's one controversial thing dun, dun, dun. the other thing is um, there are lots of players in the system that drive up the cost of care and it's never going to go down until we uh, build a finance model so that people can buy their care directly from us so the book is called uh, forget Obama. Trump ignored healthcare. How to lower costs and restore our collective sanity. And oh. it's named that number one because uh, that's what the marketing people said works. And then number <laughs> two, uh, it's named that because uh, healthcare is not a political issue. At the end of the day, no Republican or, or Democrat can fix it. Um, it comes down to us changing our finance policies so that people have the money to buy their care directly. So yeah, cool. if you want a copy, uh, reach out to us at the uh, the podcast uh, uh, central. central. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, I can uh, either mail you a copy or send you a PDF version. Nice, awesome. here it is. Right yeah, on and Amazon. it's on Amazon. Yeah, Ooh, that's so cool. All right. So yeah, so uh, I already got. An, you already signed my book. <laughs> yeah, and there's two editions because in the second edition, again, super controversial. I talk about nurse practitioners, mm. and so yeah, I've gotten lots of uh, feedback. So I, right. I welcome your oh. feedback. You ain't hurting my feelings. Death threats. Uh, something like that. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, 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 uh, no, Brian. Oh, so. no. Okay. All right, well, very cool. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Brian, for oh, being our special pleasure. guest. Oh, my Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, so so uh, um, if you guys have any feedback, um, any concerns with the course, your student, please don't hesitate, your schedule, please don't hesitate to let us know. That's it for us. Yeah. And if you're interested in opening up and making a forum that we can talk to each other, yeah. reach out to us. Yeah. We're interested. We're interested. We want to come on the podcast. We're looking for guests. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Have a great day, guys. Hi, Susan. Hi, Saji. So we're back. We're back. All right. What's what our, what are we go- talking about today? I know. Something vital? Yes. So today we're talking session six. This is Vital Signs. Gestalt of the patient, a nice uh, term borrowed from the emergency medicine community. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about preparing to enroll a patient in the student panel. Oh, wow. We're already there? 
We're already there. A suit and panel? Wow. Wow. A quarter of the year is over. Did I, you know that? I, I, I can't. It, time. How does that fly? So fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, our disclaimer. You do it this time. Oh, no, I'm not so good. Yeah? You go for it. Okay. <laughs> the views and opinions of myself and Saji are our own views and opinions and in no way reflect the views and opinions of... They have to change the school's name, don't you think? The TCU and UNT Health Science Center School of Medicine. Man, it's a mouthful. If you guys know a donor, go ahead. Please, or any of you. (laughs) (laughs) It could be the fill in the blank medical school. Think about it. All right. Apply now. Yeah. All right. So, well, last week, I know that uh, most people had a session focused on psychiatric Mm -hmm. and mental status exam. And I think, you know, the way I managed this with my student was we, we kind of focused on what are some of the observable things um, that we can get or gather um, when we do a mental status exam. And I think this session nicely flows from the content of that session. Yeah, we had a lot of fun in clinical skills. I think uh, what we were able to do is basically what you guys do every single day. As soon as you open the door, you you figure out what's happening in the room, right? And so our students had the opportunity to do that in clinical skills. So they had five different cases. I'm just going to brag a little bit. Um, But they had five cases and they walked in and there's a scene going on. There were silent cases. So there was, for example, a couple, uh, one gentleman had Parkinson's who's shuffling back and forth there's a female sitting in a chair crying as he walks away and smiling as he walks towards there's a suitcase in the room so you and I are thinking hey is this person now going to a nursing home is this person now you know what's what's happening in the room so our students and your students um, are really good at this you know, I mean, this is amazing. First year medical students being able to handle or understand the concept behind this. Uh, and the discussion was robust. So you can ask them about their five silent cases and maybe have them practice that with you when they walk into the room. So what do you think was going on? Are they, you know, what mood are they in? Um, are they coming here anxious? You know, so those are the things that um, they're now empowered with. Cool. And I loved... Um... Uh, uh, when you guys presented kind of getting a general impression of the patient, I liked a couple of, um, how shall I say this, ways to think about the patient. So the first is the observable eight, um, and then the next is the critical four. And so I think a lot of times in our brains, we're just used to, you know, number one, sick or not sick. And then from there, um, we kind of slow down and and take in what's happening. But um, I thought it would be good to pause and um, just review the observable eight in terms of general impression of the patient because the students definitely had this content presented to that, to them. So, Saji, tell us about the observable eight. All right. So, um, the eight are the ones that you kind of notice. So, number one, gait and posture. Um, number two, facial expression and general appearance and demeanor. Three, clothing. Four, nutrition and hydration. Five, odor six complexion, seven objects in the room uh, with the patient, like a walker, a cane, or bag of meds, etc. And then eight is other people in the room. Yes. So, um, and again, I think this is a nice, you know, and we, when we were um, thinking about the mental status exam and we were looking at general appearance and behavior and we were kind of um, um, gathering information on um, um, 
their their grooming and um, their clothing. So it's kind of some some similar stuff. So it's nice to kind of build upon those skills. And then the next thing, kind of the sick or not sick, is this critical four. So things that uh, make you move faster, make you act faster would be, um, is the patient in severe distress or pain? Um, are there very abnormal vital signs? Is there re working to breathe some respiratory distress? And is this patient altered? And so I thought it was a nice grouping um, and way to think about um, sick or not sick, and then what are um, important things that I can learn about the person based on just what I observe. So, um, and I, I wanted to ask too, Saji, before we get into the objectives and stuff. So in terms of vital signs, so this session, they also learned how to do some vital signs. They, oh, yeah. They took out their stethoscope, dusted it off, and did stuff with it. So. <laughs> yes. So now they can start bringing a stethoscope to clinic, um, encourage them to go ahead and take the blood pressure, either with their MA or learning from, um, from you about how to take the blood pressure is what we taught them. And so practice is what they need now. Yeah. Yes, totally. So with that, maybe we'll get into um, the session objectives. This is what you'll see on Skills of Al for um, this session, session six. So number one, Saji. Demonstrate the ability to measure and document blood pressure, pulse, respiratory rate, height, weight, and temperature. Yes. So number two, um, we continue to document. So document a complete history as well as now an objective portion, some vitals, and a general impression in a clinical note per site protocol. So just a little um, note, I've now had a couple medical students who are documenting an epic for me, and it's, it's, it's fun to see. So if they're documenting, please, um, they, they should be documenting, please review their documentation. And they are officially documenting in clinical skills. Nice. So they now know how to do that. Um, number three is explain a complete history, vital signs, and the initial impression to a preceptor as oral case presentation for at least one patient in this session. Nice. Should be um, easily achievable. And then finally, number four, we're going to talk a bit in detail about this, but this is a, a definite thing for the session is to prepare for the patient panel. And so I know there's been some inquiry about how to do this. And so we'll talk um, some details. And then in the corresponding email, there will be a guideline for this. And really, it's mostly you helping uh, the student to select an appropriate patient or two. But um, really, it's the onus is on the student to execute this to make this happen. So um, just um, um, preceptors, you know, not much for you to do in terms of um, like nuts and bolts, but I just, I want you to be aware of the process. I want you to know when they have to enroll a, a, a panel patient by, and I just want you to kind of give some nice guidance to them um, for this. So moving on, um, what are some things that we think you can do to help the student achieve these objectives? Sergeant. So you can help the student partner with a team member in your office, like your MA, LVN, or RN, to ensure that they obtain and document vital signs for the patients they see in clinic during this encounter. Nice. And then, um, you know, this is probably the first time officially that the student will be will be touching the patient yes. in um, in uh, gathering vital signs, um, getting blood pressure, taking pulse, and so. Uh, 
you uh, during their orientation, I know they in it, they had a clinical skills exercise all about proper hand washing. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, every time you walk in the room, you are modeling appropriate hand hygiene and um, use of appropriate personal protective equipment. But I just I just want to emphasize it's it's worth noting you ensure that students do this properly, that they um, wash their hands or um, or sanitize their hands and um, are just uh, deliberate about it. So let me tell you one funny thing. Yeah. The students are very concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you say, wash your hands, they'll ask you when. Oh, okay. So uh, one question was, mm-hmm. do I wash my hands before I do a blood pressure? After I put on gloves, do I, I can't take a pulse, uh, you know, palpatory blood pressure with a glove on. So clarify all that is that you wash your hands before you touch a patient. And after. And after. <laughs> all the time. All yeah. the time. We're doing some hand hygiene. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So the third thing we think you can do is, um, you know, you're hearing and you're assessing at least one oral presentation of the patient's story, vitals and general impression. The next one. Hear and assess at least. We did that one. Oh, we did. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a long day. (laughs) (laughs) Review and assess student documentation of the patient's story, vitals, and general impression for at least one patient in clinical note per site protocol. Yes. And then finally, um, discuss the patient panel with um, the student or preparing. And so this um, leads nicely into information on preparing to enroll a patient to the student panel. So um, your student will be expected to enroll at least one person to their panel by session 10, or and that's roughly um, the week of 13 January. What so, does that mean, Susan? Um, that means that um, we would like for them to uh, have um, selected and um, asked permission um, to, to have a follow a patient like a continuity patient um, in their panel so should that be a new patient or an old existing patient how do i select i mean i think that depends you know it depends on um, certainly from preceptors will love to have your guidance the students will want to know you know your guidance on who would be a good patient for them to follow um, and here, I just wanted to kind of walk through, here are some, um, as a summary of steps for the process to enroll a patient to the medical student panel. So I think this is a nice time to just um, walk through these six steps. So number one. Medical student talks with the preceptor and identifies patient to ask to enroll. And then number two, um, the medical student sets up Google Voice through their uh, desktop or smartphone. And so, again, this is not your responsibility, preceptor. You do not have to make a Google Voice account or anything like this. This is on the student um, to, uh, to, to set this up. And they have detailed instructions um, on the guideline that's attached to the corresponding email, and it's also in Canvas. Okay. All right. Good. Some onus on the medical student, huh? Yep. All right. Medical student contacts the patient while in the clinical learning environment and asks permission to enroll them in their panel. Yes. And then number four, the medical student reviews the medical student panel information. This is like a, it's an agreement um, with the patient to review contact information and expectations for contact. And so again, they're um, 
there is, are some more details around this, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, so again, the student should have their Google Voice number and all that all ready to go before they go around asking um, the student to be in their panel, okay? okay. And then number five. Uh, if patients agree to enroll, medical student provides a copy of the medical student panel information with pertinent contact information to patient. Yeah. And then number six, just to finalize this, the medical student logs um, um, their panel enrollment in LEO. Um, and then there's an assignment associated with this enrollment for me where I just um, ask, I will, you know, as a kind of QC check, I'll ask the students to you know, to describe their panel patient um, around January after they've enrolled is kind of a, a check on this. Um, so we thought we would now review. Oh, so some, before some, we do that. Oh yeah, yeah. What's the concept of having this patient panel? Why? Why? I mean, like they're already seeing patients in clinic. They're already in a clinic for one yeah, year. Yeah. Why? 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 Why, why? do this? <laughs> I sound like my uh, my children. Why? Why? Mom? Yeah. why? Why? So, I mean, I wonder if it's also for the student to understand what the patient has to go through, right? In this yeah. first year, right? Um, yeah. What What is the perspective that they're going to gain by having this patient panel? Yeah. I, mean, I think it's just, you know, like with any continuity, um, I think, relationship, it's a, it's a nice way to, to definitely um, start to view the patient's experience, not just in the realm of their, you know, this interaction in an exam room, but hopefully they can they can also see how the patient experiences healthcare outside of the exam room. Um, so I think it's a it's a really nice opportunity to build empathy um, for our uh, patients who who a lot of times struggle with so much. Um, and then you know again uh, also allowing the student to have more engagement involvement ownership even I would say about um, the patient's experience and the patient's care. Right. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. And I think when they, <laughs> when, when they go into their second phase of their LIC, oh I gosh. think that just expands it even more. And, yeah. and these patients will, you know, if they go to ER, they go to uh, a specialist visit, um, they'll be able to follow them in yes. their second phase. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and so there are some, like, um, the details on what these... Um, like in the definitely um, for phase one, students will not be excused from right. like a phase one session to go check out the their patient's um, cardiology consult, right? Mm -hmm. But but I think as um, time goes on and in phase two, there are definitely some details which are available in this guideline um, that give what these um, these uh, learning experiences are, um, where they, like you know delivering a baby and there and there's also some parameters around hours. So we'll kind of go through this. So what can medical students do? Um, what are some best practices for contact and communication between med students and patients? So medical students can approach a patient um, to add to the continuity panel after discussing with supervising physicians. So it's not like you preceptor have to determine who's going to be their panel patient. You know, these are grown-up students who also have some interests. So, so they can certainly approach a patient to add. Um, they can certainly, you know, do a history, perform an exam with appropriate supervision. They can um, do some procedures, you know, with your supervision. That's kind of a no-brainer. They can attend um, continuity um, patient clinical appointments if available. Um, they can uh, participate in care in the care in different clinical settings, um, and they can inform the preceptor via email or in person if there are updates on the patient's condition. 
finally like when. So they can field these kind of Google Voice phone calls and messages from the patient from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. Monday through Friday and they can return voicemails within 24 hours. So there's some parameters. It's not like they're available 24 seven. So Saji, what can, what can these students not do? All right, I love a lot of negative. <laughs> Give medical advice, right? We do not want our first year medical students giving any advice over the phone. Um, and that's very clear to them. Uh, implement care or treatment plan without direct supervision from the preceptor. Obviously, they're always going to talk to you before they give any other type of advice. Uh Prescribe medications. They do not have a license to do that, so they cannot prescribe medications. Be available 24-7 due to other responsibilities. Yes, there's a strict time in which they'll only be able to be approached. Be contacted uh, for personal reasons. Yes, you know, just because they need a ride uh, to Kroger, that they're not going to get a <laughs> no, phone no, no. call. <laughs> None of that. You know, hey, can I? And, yeah. and you know, they're going to be empathetic, but they're not going to be um, a ride. A ride, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, uh, transport patients to appointments or hospital. Yes, that's a liability. We're not going to risk uh, that, and and that's not their role. Their role is to learn. Um, and also be called for emergencies, and we'll advise patients to call 911 in case of emergency. So yes, uh, again, goes back to the treatment part. They're not giving that advice. Yeah. So again, um, we just wanted to give a little bit of a heads up um, about um, panel information, and the um, guideline that is coming with this email has a lot more detailed information. Um, and again, nobody expects your student to enroll a patient by this session, by next week, no way. But we just want everybody to start thinking about the process and um, what's involved. All right, so Saji. Yeah. How are we doing? Yeah, we're doing great. Okay. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this talk today. <laughs> this is a, a lot of information we put out. Hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot here. Um, Be excited to um, have your students doing your blood pressure, vital signs. I think this is really exciting for them that they can touch a patient and they can actually feel, do the palpatory method. And if you need a video on that, we have the vital signs video. Yes, so that's coming. Um, unfortunately, this clinical skills um, team um, was, fortunately, they've made these videos awesome. But unfortunately, they're just restricted to like a TCU kind of username and login kind of situation. So if, if that's set up for you and you know your password, you are golden because the link is coming. Uh, if not, I, I just, they're not open access videos right now, so... Okay. Yep. Yeah. So have them practice, guys. I mean, they'll be excited. They have an OSCE coming up when is that? Uh, in when, November. When? November. Okay. Yeah. So very, very soon. So they need all the practice they can get. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, if you have any feedback, um, if you have suggestions for how we can improve, how we communicate with you, please let us know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for using Skills Eval. I just have to say the adoption rate for this software, for the app, this formative feedback tool is amazing. I think out of a group of 60, like um, 55 people are using this regularly. So that is fantastic. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Um, and if you have uh, feedback on that as well, please let me know. And uh, have a great, wonderful fall day. Yes. Bye-bye.